Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, December 10th, 2020. We're going to continue with the series that we started yesterday after we refired up the podcast on hearing the voice of God. And we're going to answer the question today, where, why is it important that we pay attention to where the voice of God says the voice of God is going to be, as opposed to listening to him everywhere? Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I'm your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that uh, dishes up a dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to compare and contrast with the most popular pastors, Preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of teaching, that's doctrine that is put forward for consumption by the average evangelical it's far from biblical, far from what God's word says, and what we're trying to do here is save you from an eternity of woe. That's kind of the whole point of all of this. Now, like I said at the beginning during the intro music, by the way, did you know that Kozar is the one who plays that? I may have mentioned that before. Kozar is the one who put that all together for us. So, yeah, he's got some hot licks. You, you, you get... <laughs> he's got skills I, I don't have. Anyway, um, so what we're going to do today. We are going to open up our Bible. We're going to take a look at a story that you may not even be familiar with, uh, but it has everything to do with King Josiah, the finding of the Bible, because the Bible went missing for a while in in, uh, in Judean history. Also, we're going to take a look at how the prophet Jeremiah factors in all of this. And we're going to note then, the question before us is, you know, where can we find the voice of God and why it's so important to know that you are hearing God's voice? So many people out there would tell you to listen to your heart or you know, listen to promptings and things like this. What we're going to point out is that God's voice has been put into Scripture. And the reason why this is so important is so that you do not come under the wrath of God. Well, note that in the types of sh and shadows of the Old Testament, the apostasy in the time of Jeremiah, which ultimately resulted in God kicking the Jews out of Judea and sending them into exile in Babylon, that, that whole cycle of apostasy is the type and shadow of the great apostasy that happens in the church immediately before the days of the return of Christ. And so I, since I don't know when Jesus is going to return, we're just going to focus on the fact that uh, we are warned in Scripture against listening to false voices uh, you know, that claim to be coming from God. And so today is going to be a Bible study, and hopefully you'll find this to be a good one. So let's, let's kind of start off this way, though. Let me... Um, let me whirl up my desktop here, and we are going to open up uh, my web browser. What I did is I created a quick uh, keynote that I put together onto, you know, on, onto a website for the purpose of kind of sharing some thoughts here. And to set the stage for the biblical study that we're going to be doing today, we're going to be looking at this feature, the state of Judaism 
in the reign of King Josiah. Now, in the past, people have taken issue with me if I refer to Old Testament saints as part of the church. (laughs) They'll say, the church didn't exist until the day of Pentecost. I get the idea. So there is a way in which you can talk about the Old Testament saints as part of the church. Uh, And, you know, they, they are believers in the one true God. They trust in the coming Messiah. They don't know at, that his name's going to be Jesus. They don't know Yeshua. They don't know the full details of what's going to happen, but they are trusting in the promises of God that they have in the Old Testament. And so they are saved by grace through faith as well. In fact, if you're not sure about that, read Romans chapter 4. But all that being the case, we're going to note that biblical Judaism was the only true religion on planet Earth prior to uh, Christ's birth. Uh, In fact, Christ was a true, devout, and faithful uh, observer of biblical Judaism. And we should be happy that he was, because if he didn't, if he didn't follow it faithfully and wasn't obedient to the laws of God, as found in the Old Testament, uh, we're in deep kimchi. Uh, you know, spiritually we are we're lost. You know, because Christ is he's in need of somebody atoning for his sins. Then, so all that being the case, we're going to note that in in the Bible there is from the time of David until the exile. Uh, there is this steady decline into just rank rebellion and apostasy. By the way, I don't know that's gonna, if you know what apostasia means, then you know that what I just said was re- redundant. Apostasia in Greek means rebellion, okay? But the, so there's a rank apostasy, a flat out overt rebellion against God. And we're going to look at some of the highlights of that. And then we'll look in the, uh, in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, to kind of sync up the timelines and then take a deep dive into one of the accounts found in Second Kings. So let's let's dive into this, shall we? All right. So the state of Judaism in the reign of King Josiah. Now these are the highlights of the state of Judaism during the first eighteen years of Josiah's reign. First eighteen years, and it's important to note that Second Chronicles makes it clear that at some point before a, his, the 18th year of his reign, Josiah began to seek the Lord, um, but he was missing something really important. You want to you know what he was missing? He was missing the Bible. We'll talk about that. So let's take a look at here. Are some of the highlights. This isn't the the entire the entirety of things. We'll see that in the biblical text. But here are the highlights to set the stage. Uh, number one, the worship of Yahweh. In uh, in, Ju- in Judah continued, and so there were people who worshipped Yahweh. They they I believe in Yahweh. I worship Yahweh. They offered sacrifices in Solomon's temple. Uh, Solomon's temple was the temple at the time. Herod's temple was the temple that was at the time of Christ. But here in the time of King Josiah, this was the temple that was built by Solomon. Uh, so worship of Yahweh continued, but Judaism had become very progressive. And, uh, and I'm using that term on purpose because there is a almost direct correlation to what is happening within, within the visible body of Christ today or the visible church today. I don't think I should call it the visible body of Christ. We should call it the visible church. Uh, people who claim to be Christians they're, they're, that are overtly progressive. Uh, and, uh, and so we'll note what, how this plays out then. So they have become very progressive and accepting of and even embracing the worship of false gods, namely gods like Baal, Asherah, Molech, the sun, the moon, the constellations, and the starry host of heaven. Uh, The sun, the moon, the constellations may refer back to an early form of astrology, just so you know, that's probably what the referent is there. Next, um, this is to show you how bad things had become Images, idols, uh, images of Asherah had been placed inside the temple of Yahweh, inside Solomon's temple, and incense was being offered to those images. Okay, talk about, and there was a term for that, the the term for that is syncretism, syncretism. And let's see, what else was going on here? Uh, This is a big one. Male cult prostitutes practice their religion inside Solomon's temple, inside the temple of the Lord. That's in 2 Kings 23, 7. 
So yeah, this is all this is all during the first eighteen years of the reign of Josiah, and, and so uh, yeah, that's that's a big deal. And we're going to note that this this points to the fact that this reflects not merely an acceptance of homosexual sins, but the incorporation of homosexual acts as part of their worship practice. So they had gone from being gay affirming to you know to actually engaging in homosexual sexual acts as part of their religion syncretism this is all being embraced within the con- the context of Judaism but it the same biblical Judaism um Israelites were also sacrificing their sons and daughters to Molech uh-huh and uh, the bible had gone missing no one is reading it yet alone obeying in fact, we're going to see when we get to the text, Josiah didn't even know what was in the Bible. Um, they were shocked when they found it. So that that's the, that kind of sets the, the highlights here. So the state of Judaism had, they, they had, I mean, this isn't biblical Judaism. This is just flat-out, man-made, idolatrous, rebellious, apostate Judaism. Nothing here even reflects, even remotely, anything biblical. Next up is, um, so 13 years into the reign of King Josiah, the prophet Jeremiah began his work as a prophet of God. I'm going to point this out because when you look at uh, the uh, biblical text in this regard, Jeremiah chapter 1 says this, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Benjamin, uh, were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of Yahweh came in the days of Josiah, the king of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. So if you really want to get some of the uh, more interesting prophetic background bits regarding all of this, then you're going to need to note that Jeremiah prophesies at the time of Josiah, and he does so beginning five years before, five years before what it is that we're going to read about regarding King Josiah and what happened uh, when they were going to do a renovation job of the temple. So keep that in mind. So let me come back then here. So, uh, and then you'll note then the first 20 chapters of the prophet Jeremiah reflect the state of Judaism during this time period, during the reign of Josiah prior to what happens on the 18th year. So, and here's what's being described here. The scribes and the priests promoted and sanctioned all of these departures from the clear commands of Scripture. Scribes and priests sanctioned, promoted and sanctioned all of these departures. False prophets abounded. People who were not sent by God, who claimed to be sent by God, and claimed that they were speaking God's words, you know, were all over the place. And that these so-called prophets, rather than turn people from their sin and idolatry, these false prophets spoke words of peace and thereby strengthened the hand of evildoers by causing them to believe false promises. This is all found very clearly in the prophet Jeremiah. So let me do this. I'm going to go to uh, Jeremiah here. And this is not, um, this is not a, uh, you know, a, a comprehensive look at what Jeremiah writes in the first eight chapters of his book. These are highlights, but I want to walk through the highlights to kind of substantiate what I had said here, that the scribes and the priests were fully on board from uh, on the deviations from Scripture, and that false prophets were abounding, strengthening the hand of the evildoers. And you're going to see this in the highlights that I've collected. So uh, here's here's what it says. So we already established the fact that Jeremiah first began his career as a prophet uh, 13 years into the reign of Josiah. That's important because of the big high water mark at 18. So listen to the state of affairs as Jeremiah begins his, uh, his career as a prophet. Thus says Yahweh, What wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthless worthlessness and became Worthless, uh, worthless. Here, by the way, uh, Scripture is very clear on this one. Uh, you can you can uh, do a search on this. Uh, worthlessness. Uh, all, all idols they're considered to be worthless, and those who follow after them and believe and bow down to them, uh, God considers them to be worth 
less as well. Uh, Jeremiah 2 verse 8 says, uh, The priest did not say, Where is Yahweh? Those who handle the law did not know me. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. So you'll note here that in the apostasy at the time of Jeremiah and at, at the time of Josiah, the priests, the, the the religious leaders who should have known better, they were fully on board with the false religion that was being promoted. And the reason why is because they did not know God. The shepherds, those who were supposed to be leading Israel in, into the truth, you know, the teachers of Israel, they transgressed against God. The prophets prophesied by all, by Baal, by Baal, by Baal, by Baal. <laughs> I got to oh, watch how I run my things together, my consonants. Anyway, so, but you get the idea here. So the the corruption is all the way through the leadership of the uh, of the religious leaders of Judaism at the time. And this is not biblical Judaism, and that's the reason why Jeremiah is sent. Chapter 4, verse 22 says, uh, For my people are foolish, they know me not. They are stupid children. They have no understanding. They are wise in doing evil, but how to do good, they do not know. Chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 said, How can I pardon you? God asked this of, of Judah. How can I pardon you? Your children have forsaken me. They have sworn by those who are no gods. When I fed them to the full, they committed adultery and trooped to the houses of whores, and they were well-fed, lusty stallions, each neighing for his neighbor's wife. So you'll note with the uh, with the restraints of the of God's commands being lifted, and people no longer hearing the commands of God, you're going to have an increase in in idolatry. And you're going to have an increase in sexual sins as well. Yeah, that doesn't sound like today at all, does it? Yeah, all right. So we continue. Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 11, 12, and 13 then says, For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have been utterly treacherous to me, declares Yahweh. They have spoken falsely of Yahweh and have said, He will do nothing. No disaster will come upon us, for we shall, we, nor shall we see sword or famine. The prophets will become wind. The word is not in them. Thus shall it be done to them. So you'll note that uh, they are declaring what? Peace, peace. God, oh man, God blesses all of this idolatry and adultery and <laughs> treachery and deceit. And, and you know, it, it's almost as if the false prophets are saying, this year, 2020 is going to be a year of double-double blessing and, and breakthrough and all that kind of stuff. You get the idea. But you'll note that true prophets, and if you want to know what a true prophet sounds like, read Isaiah, read Jeremiah, read some of the minor prophets, meet, re, read Amos. <laughs> if you, you might have to put asbestos on if you're going to read Amos. Read Amos, okay? You'll note that to God's prophets, they confront people with their sin and deviations from God's commands, call them to repent of their sin, and assure them of the forgiveness, mercy, and grace of God for those who repent. Whereas false prophets, the repentance is even a word that comes on their lips, um, and they strengthen the hand of evildoers, and they get people to believe and trust in promises that God hasn't given. Uh, and they are, and God describes them as treacherous. They speak falsely of the Lord. Uh, chapter 5, verses 26, 27, and 28 says, For wicked men are found among my people. They lurk like fowlers lying in wait. They set a trap. They catch men. Like a cage full of birds, their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they have become great and rich. They have grown fat and sleek. They know no bounds in deeds of evil. They judge not with justice the cause of the fatherless to make it prosper, and they do not defend the rights of the needy. So you'll note that along with this growing apostasy, you see an increase in greediness within the visible confines of what's supposed to be the true religion. And, uh, and this, I mean, reading Jeremiah 5, 26, 27, and 28 reminds me of men like, you know, Jesse Duplantis, Ken Copeland, 
Benny Hinn, uh, women like Joyce Myers and other. You, you get the idea. And then verses 30 and 31 of chapter 5 says this. And this is a famous text. You've probably even heard this one. We mentioned it on Prophecy Bingo uh, last week with Justin Peters. Uh, here's what it says, verses 30 and 31. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests rule at their discretion. Not God's, at their my people love to have it so, but what will you do when the end comes? Now, I'm going to note that there is a New Testament, um, there is an absolute New Testament cross-reference to this, and it is found in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says this, where uh, Paul says to young Pastor Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom to preach the word. Preach what? Preach the word. That's the only thing a pastor is authorized to preach, by the way. Not his opinions, not speculations. He is commanded by God to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And so you can see then that what we're seeing taking place in our highlight reel of uh, the prophet Jeremiah, the first eight chapters, uh, Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 30 and 31 is a perfect cross-reference to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, so, and let me read it again. An appalling thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. Yeah, you know. Um, and uh, the priests rule at their own discretion. Mm-hmm. And my people love to have it so. They love it that way. But uh, what will you do when the end comes? All right, moving ahead. Highlights in chapter 6, verse 10 is uh, one of the highlights. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? God asks. Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. Behold, the word of Yahweh is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. Huh. That's strange to me uh, to read, but here's the thing: I, I've, you know, I've been on planet Earth for a while. I've been a Christian apologist for a long time now, and I can tell you that uh, there are people visibly within the body of Christ who are overtly attacking Scripture, undermining the authority of Scripture, denying that it's the Word of God, denying its infallibility, denying that it, you know that the commands that are so clear in there are even clear. And they basically muddled the whole thing up. And so you'll note here that uh, back in the time of Jeremiah and Josiah, all right, during that time when uh, Judaism was so progressive, so progressive that they were totally syncretistic, you want to worship Asherah, no problem, we'll make it possible for you to worship Asherah in Solomon's temple. Uh, and uh, and you, we're going to affirm homosexuality. In fact, we'll even uh, give you homosexual sexual encounters inside Solomon's temple itself, okay, with the male cult prostitutes plying their trade in, uh, in you know, in Solomon's temple. It's, it's nuts, okay? And so you'll note here that what's the problem? They refuse to hear the voice of God. That's the problem. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. Behold, the word of Yahweh is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. Verses 13, 14, 15, and 16 all together in chapter 6. Let's take a look at the next highlight here. For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly by saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Now, a little bit of a note here. You remember that uh, Christ says that in the end, people will be declaring peace, peace, and destruction will come on them suddenly? Have you considered that this text might have something to say with what's being referred to as peace there. They, they are so the, saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No. They were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall 
fall among those who fall at the time that I will punish them. They shall be overthrown, says Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh, stand by the roads, look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. So you'll note here uh, that uh, with growing apostasy, they commit rank abominations and they don't even blush at it. Have any of you sat there and wondered, how does somebody like Kenneth Copeland not feel any guilt for the lies and the deceit that he's engaging in? This is your answer. It's right here. That's a sign of growing apostasy. Men committing rank abominations and not even being ashamed. Um, and you'll note with the increase in growing sexual sins along with it as well. And what is the solution that God says? Verse 16 is the solution. Thus says Yahweh, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. And, and so I would note here, I've been in Christianity long enough that I've seen the big horrific turn that it's taken into apostasy. I remember evangelicalism before it looked like today, before there was Bethel, before there was Hillsong, before the NAR existed, before Toronto, before before the, the Brownsville revival and all this kind of stuff. And I can tell you that there was a time when evangelicalism, for the most part, was quite dedicated to the ancient paths. Uh, you, you would go to a church, and you would be expected to bring a Bible with you, and what, before the pastor would begin preaching, he would say, if you would turn with me to such and such a passage, you can hear ta- pages turning. Not so today, and it has nothing to do with the fact that people's Bibles are on their phones. I rarely hear any pastor say, follow along, open up your Bible, or, they, or do they meaningfully read out large portions of Scripture? So in the midst of apostasy, you look for the ancient path. So you're going to risk becoming, you're being called a fuddy-duddy. You, you're just no fuddy-duddy. You're just not in tune with the new thing that God's doing, man. And don't you know that God's creating a new wineskin? You can't take the new wine skin, new wine that God wants to pour into the church and pour it into your old wineskin. You, know, you can't expect him to do that. Yeah. No, the scripture says look for the ancient path. Look for the ancient path. Where, where the good way is. The good way is not in these newfangled doctrines, these progressive concepts or all this any nonsense. The good way is in the ancient path. It's in the scriptures. And walk in it. Find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Verse 19 of chapter 6 then says, Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people. The fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it. Then that's the problem, right? They've rejected God's law. They have not paid attention to God's words. In fact, you're going to see just how deep this has gone. Chapter 7, verses 8, 9, and 10, then in Jeremiah says, behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and said, we are delivered only to go on doing all of these abominations. And so you'll note along with this here, this is this complete delusion that somehow you're okay with the one true God while breaking every commandment in the 10 you know especially the the uh, the first commandment and then running on down the line to stealing murdering committing adultery swearing falsely yeah you get the idea so that's how deluded they are they live in rank open sin and come in and worship worship the one true god where you know, you would expect somebody who believes in the one true God to be worshiping him and claim, oh, we're delivered, all the while thinking God's completely okay with all that other nonsense. And he's not. See, that's the idea. Jeremiah seven twenty three through 26. But this command I gave them, obey my voice and I will be your God. 
and you shall be my people. Walk in all the way that I command you, that I may be that it may be well with you. But they did not obey or incline their ear, but they walked in their own counsels. So you, here's your two, here are your two choices. You're either going to obey the voice of God, which is found in Scripture. It's the only place that we can have any confidence that we're hearing the voice of God. Every other place, slippery slope into apostasy. I know for a fact I'm hearing the voice of God when I am reading and rightly understanding the Scriptures. Otherwise, no. But what do people do? They walk in their own counsels. And in the stubbornness of their evil hearts, that's what they walk in. Not the words of God. They undermine, discount, dilute, erase the words of God and replace them with their own counsels and their own beliefs of their own stubborn hearts. And as a result of that, they went backward, not forward. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all of my servants, the prophets, to them day after day, yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear, but they stiffened their neck, and they did worse than their fathers. Jeremiah seven twenty-seven and 28 then goes on to say, so, shall, so you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. You shall say to them, this is the nation that did not obey the voice of Yahweh their God and did not accept discipline. Truth has perished. It is cut off from their lips. That's the biblical, that's the state of Judaism at the time of Josiah and Jeremiah. That's the state of Judaism. Truth has perished from their lips. There's a lot of religious activity going on. People are for real going to the temple, for real offering sacrifices to Yahweh in a place where also an image to Asherah is and where there are male cult prostitutes. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. We'll just read them all in order here. So why then has this people turned away in perpetual backsliding? Answer, they hold fast to deceit, and they refuse to return. I have paid attention and listened, but they have not spoken rightly. No man relents of his evil, saying, what have I done? Everyone turns to his own course, like a horse plunging headlong into battle. Even the stork in the heavens knows her times, and the turtle dove swallow the and swallow and crane keep the time of their coming. But my people know not the rules of Yahweh. So how can you say we are wise and the law of Yahweh is with us, but behold, the lying pen of the scribes has made it into a lie. The wise men shall be put to shame. They shall be dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of Yahweh so that wisdom, so that, so what wisdom is in them? Therefore, I will give their wives over to others, their fields to conquerors, because from the least to the greatest, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. From prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. Yeah. And here, you hold the lying pens of the scribes. This reminds me of the liberal book scribblers today who, you know, who make a career out of you know, writing books, attacking the authority, inerrancy, inspiration, and sufficiency of Scripture, always and again, always and again, There's all the latest books to, you know, you know, put out by the liberals, attacking, attacking, attacking the Word of God. Even the Charismatics in the NAR they attack the Word of God by denying its sufficiency and giving competing voices to the voice of God. You know, so that kind of sets the stage for the state of affairs. And so, you know, let's kind of go back here. Um, you know, 13 years into the reign of King Josiah. Again, note that the reason I'm pointing out 13 years, that's when Jeremiah became a prophet. He prophesied for five years before something happened. And the th thing that happened is the thing we're going to read about next. I think, again, here's the summary. The scribes and priests promoted and sanctioned all of these departures from the clear commands of Scripture False prophets abounded. People who were not sent by God, who claimed to be sent by God, and claimed that they were speaking his words. And rather than turn people from their sin and idolatry, these false prophets spoke words of peace and thereby strengthened the hand of evildoers by causing them to believe false promises. 
Yeah. Okay. So now let's go on to Second uh, Kings. Second Kings chapter. Uh, hang on a second here. There we go. Second Kings chapter twenty-two. Pinnacle point here. Here's what it says in Second Kings chapter twenty-two regarding King Josiah. He was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for thirty-one years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adaiah of Bozkoth, and he did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh and walked in all the ways of his father, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Now we learn from Second Chronicles that he began to seek the way of the Lord before what's recorded here uh, happened, but clearly that was the piece he was missing, and you'll see why. So now the story goes on. We know what the state of affairs is of Judaism. Biblical Judaism is pro- is almost completely snuffed out. Okay, what is in its place is an idolatrous, rebellious, apostate shell, uh, a flim-flam scam of something that is not even like a shadow of real biblical Judaism is, all right? Totally rebelling against God. That's the re- and, and that's the religion of, of Judah at the time. So in the 18th year of King Josiah, five years, five years after Jeremiah began his career as a prophet, five years, here's what happens. The king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the secretary to the house of Yahweh, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, so that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of Yahweh, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. So people are coming. They're bringing offerings. They're putting money into uh, the offering boxes uh, and you know, bringing their sacrifices, and they've saved up enough money that they can do a full-scale renovation of Solomon's temple to, uh, you know, to, uh, to to refurbish it, to beautify it. Right? That's what's going on here. So you'll note that it's not that people aren't going to going to the temple. Oh, they are. Business is good, really good. But the religion that's being practiced there isn't biblical. All right. So uh, so and let it be given to into the hand of the workmen who have oversight of the house of Yahweh, and let them give it to the workmen who are in, at the house of Yahweh. See, this is the house of Yahweh, man. So repairing that house, that is to the carpenters, to the builders, to the masons, and then let them use it for buying timber and quarried stone to repair, uh, to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them uh, for the money that is delivered into the hand, for they deal honestly. Do they now? Okay. So Hilkiah, the high priest, and keep in mind, there is an image to Asherah inside Solomon's temple. There are male cult prostitutes practicing their religion there at Solomon's temple. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of Yahweh. And the way the story reads, you can almost see them going, there was a book? We had no idea there was a book. There's a book! Did you know there was a book? I didn't know there was a book. So God's word had disappeared, and while they were refurbishing the temple, they happened to to find a copy of the Bible. Okay, so, and Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, uh, your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of Yahweh. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, um, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Read it all out. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Achbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the secretary, and Asaiah the king's servant, saying, Go and inquire of Yahweh for me, and for the people, and for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. 
For great is the wrath of Yahweh that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So now, for the first time in Josiah's reign and in his life, he's heard the real voice of God. And where was it? In a book. That's where God's voice has said that his voice will be, inside that book. It's in the scriptures. He's heard it for the first time, and he knows full well the religious practices taking place in Solomon's temple, in the name of Yahweh, are abominable. They are the exact things that God has commanded must not be taking place, must not happen. And he recognizes they are in a lot of trouble because God's wrath is stirred up against them. And I would note here, Jeremiah has been prophesying for five years, saying all of this. And it wasn't until King Josiah read the book himself that he recognized that what Jeremiah was saying was correct. The word of God backed him up. So Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam and Akbor and Shaphan and Asaiah, they went to hold of the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter. So they talked with her and she said to them, thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, thus says Yahweh, behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants, all the words of the book that the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods so that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be kindled against this place and it will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of Yahweh, thus shall you say to him, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before Yahweh when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation, a curse, and you have torn your clothes and you have wept before me. I also have heard you, declares Yahweh. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought back word to the king. He repented. And now here's the thing. He believes now and trusts in the one true God. He has repented of his own wickedness and complicits in being complicit in the abominable sinful practices that were taking place in the temple and in, in within Israel itself, within Judah itself. And so now he's going to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So then the king sent, and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, they were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of Yahweh, and with him the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that have been found in the house of Yahweh. Now, here's the thing. After Josiah's death, Israel immediately picks up where it left off. Judah picks up where, right where it left off and goes right back into all their abominations and practices. So these false priests, these false prophets, these apostates, they're not going to be so keen uh, really down in their hearts about obeying the words of that book. And there, and that'll prove itself true with the death of Josiah. But at the, at the moment, they're going to give lip service after having heard the words of the book and seeing the resolve in King Josiah. So he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of Yahweh. King stood by the pillar, made a covenant before Yahweh to walk after Yahweh and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. And so the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order 
and the keepers of the threshold to bring out of the temple of Yahweh all the vessels made for Baal, for Asherah, for all the host of heaven. That's right. Inside the temple were vessels that were made for Baal, Asherah, and for the starry host. Inside the temple. And he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron, down in the Kidron Valley, and he carried their ashes to Bethel. And he deposed the priest. Now, here's the interesting thing here. The Hebrew word for priest in this context is not the one that you would expect. The, the normal word for priest is Kohen. Here it's Kamar. And a Kamar is, uh, is like a pagan priest who offers sacrifices and incense to pagan deities. So this is not, yeah, and so you don't see the distinction in English, but in the Hebrew, you sit there and go, oh, whoa, that's, that's a big deal. So he deposed all the, uh, the pagan priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings in the high places at the cities of Judah and around Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And those also who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, the constellations, and the host of the heavens. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of Yahweh. There was an image of Asherah in, inside of Solomon's temple. He brought it outside Jerusalem to the brook Kindra, and there he burned it at the brook Kidron, beat it into dust, cast the dust of it upon the graves of the common people, and then he broke down the houses. Listen to this. He broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes who were in the house of Yahweh, where the women wove hangings for the Asherah. Quite the progressive religion that was. Um, Totally syncretistic and gay-affirming. What a religion that is, all right? And then he brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah, and he defiled the high places where the priests had made offerings from Geba to Beersheba. So he he desecrated all of their pagan high high places. Today, people are screaming, this is a religious hate crime. Uh Uh-huh. No, it's not. This This was done out of love because there is only one true God. And he broke down the high places of the gates that were at the entrance to the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on one's left at the gate of the city. However, the priests of the high places did not come up to the altar of Yahweh in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among their brothers. He defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no one might burn his son or his daughter as an offering to Molech. I want you to note here, first 18 years of Josiah's reign, all the things you hear him getting rid of, that was the religion of Judah for for his entire life. So, I mean, this is, I mean, this is a huge departure. How does one get this far off track? Because they weren't hearing the word of God. They didn't even know there was a book anymore. That's how how little they paid attention to the voice of God. Josiah removed the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun at the entrance of the house of Yahweh. So you would enter into the entrance to the house of Yahweh, and there were the beautiful horses, these artistic horses that had been dedicated to the sun. Okay, by the chamber of Nathan Melech, the uh, chamberlain who was in the precincts, and he burned the chariots of the sun with fire, and the altars on the roof of the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars that Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of Yahweh, he pulled down the and broke in pieces and cast the dust of them into the brook Kidron. And the king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem to the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Sidonians, and for Shamash, the abomination of Moab, and for Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And he broke in pieces the pillars and cut down the Asherim, filled their places with the bones of men. Moreover, the altar at Bethel, the high place uh, erected by Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, that altar with the high place he pulled down and he burned, reducing it to dust. He also burned the Asherah. And as Josiah turned, he saw the tombs there on the mount, and he sent and took the bones out of the tombs and burned them on the altar and defiled it, according to the word of Yahweh, the man of God who had proclaimed, who had predicted these things. Then he said, 
What is that monument I see? And the men of the city told him, it is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and predicted these things that you have done against the altar at Bethel. He said, let him be. Let no, uh, let no man move his bones. So they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet who came out of Samaria. And Josiah removed all the shrines, also the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made, provoking Yahweh to anger. He did to them according to all that he had done at Bethel, and he sacrificed all the priests of the high places who were there on the altars and burned human bones on them, and then he returned to Jerusalem. And then he kept the Passover. It hadn't been kept forever. So there you go. I think you uh, can, can kind of get the idea of what this all means. But at the end of the day, the question is, where can we go to hear the voice of God? You got all these voices out there claiming that they, they're, they're going to give you the voice of God. Yeah, you know, is, is it uh, Chuck Pierce? You know, uh, that I, I, I feel a shaking and a sound membrane, and I'm going to go and tune the Mexican border with a tuning fork. Uh, is, is it Kay Nash? Is, you know, or is it all the, you know, uh, all the people out there who prophesied regarding Trump, uh, all the people out there prophesying that he's going to win you know, despite all of this, uh, all the people out there who are saying they got it right, but they, they didn't get it wrong. And, and all these people out there claiming, claiming, claiming to be speaking the voice of God to you. But the one thing they're not speaking, the word of God, the Bible, not at all. So the idea then here is in this episode of Fighting for the Faith, all the, all the chaos that you see going on within visible Christianity right now, you know why that is? It's because people are not, they, they do not listen to, care for, read, understand the actual written word of God. Oh, it, it's, they, they will give lip service to it. It's, it's a voice. It is, it is one of the ways that God talks to us. All the while, they ignore it. So where is the voice of God today? There's only one place you can hear the voice of God. And that's in the written word of God. And that's the only place you can go with any confidence. I know that God speaks when I open up and I read the Bible. And all these other deviations that we see going on within the visible church that are clear con- by their actions, by their doctrines, by their beliefs, they are flat out contradicting the word of God. And while claiming to be Christian, they are just as deluded and deceitful and faithless as the false prophets and priests of the time of Jeremiah and Josiah. And that's just a biblical fact. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>